We are Ingrid and Hara, founders of NoCo. This is a series of podcasts, Business of Collaboration, a conversation with a professor and a business executive. Once per month, we interview a professor and a business on how to work together to find a common understanding and inspiration. So subscribe to our podcast in iTunes and on our website, noco.net. Join us in our journey. Today, for our Business of Collaboration podcast, we are here in Rotterdam, in the Netherlands, at RSM Erasmus University, with Jos de Hofte, Global Business Director at DSM, and Professor Stefano Puntoni, Professor of Brand Management and Marketing at RSM. We will talk about how Jos is working with Professor Puntoni to recalibrate his product launch at DSM with workshops together with the students led by the Professor Puntoni in order to understand his new products better and how to take them to the market. So, well, welcome this morning, uh, Professor Stefano Puntoni, uh, welcome, and uh, Joost Dogen. Uh, welcome to this podcast and appreciate it very much that you took the time to be here together with us. Let's kick off with the first question to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so Joost, you're now working as Global Business Director uh, yes. at DSM. Yep. How did you get from aerospace engineering to plastics engineering? Yeah, that's a long journey. Um, actually, it started, I think, even before my education in Delft in aerospace engineering. Uh, as a kid, I grew up as a son of my father who worked for Philips Electronics ah. his entire life. So uh, yeah, 43 years tenure there. And uh, I think all the open days at the factory, seeing people manufacture TVs, CDs, computers, really triggered my interest for creative processes and engineering. So in the end, I think that is the reason why I started to study aerospace mm-hmm. engineering. It's not because I'm a mega fan of airplanes. It, it could have been other stuff, but uh, it sounded interesting to me. It was by coincidence also the period when the movie Top Gun was playing ah, everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> people said, this is the reason why, no. Uh, yeah. I think it is really because of my deep interest for technology. And uh, Actually, as a kid, I wanted to be an architect, create houses, etc. But anyway, I started uh, studying aerospace. Uh, but when I started working, I noticed that it's, it's great, all this technology, but average projects took 30 years oh, before... Yeah you see the results of your real work yeah. and uh, that was too long for me. So I quickly migrated into automotive and uh, apart from changing from aerospace to automotive, I also migrated from engineering to project management to a commercial role and then did a general management role. Yeah. And now we get close. Again, I can talk for hours <laughs> about this transition, but uh, yeah, I think it's been an onward journey and development uh, professionally and markets wise. Uh, but at some point, uh, DSM approached me they were looking for a sales manager in the automotive business, yeah. which fitted a number of my experiences. And uh, well, after very interesting interviews, I uh, decided to, to join this company. I'm now there for 10 years wow. and since January last year, indeed responsible for uh, three of our product lines. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you're traveling around quite a lot? Yes, yeah, uh, that's the nice thing about my function. eh? It Mm -hmm. says global, uh, I really enjoy this. Most of my career I worked in Europe before this role. Mm -hmm. So I lived in Slovakia, Czech Republic, Spain. But this job gave me a real option to travel globally. So I visited last year Korea, Tokyo, West Coast US, Detroit. Uh, Yeah, you see interesting places, meet a lot of interesting uh, 
people and I think that is also now part of my role to connect all these global innovations, technology companies. Uh, yeah. uh, so that's what you do at DSM because you're responsible for the um, for the plastics engineering groups, but then you you travel the world to connect them to innovate even better. Or yeah, so I, I think I think the primary role is in, in people. To be honest, I mean we are mm -hmm. uh, leading a big team. Uh, it's about two thousand people globally wow. in our division, and I'm part of the global leadership. So I think my primary goal is to make sure that those people are yeah, connected yeah. and that we hear what is happening from India to China, US, uh, both internally but also indeed at customers. And yeah. I think the key challenge for us is to be successful now but also 10 years from now. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so we continuously optimize portfolio, talk with customers, make sure that we are relevant. Yeah. And of course, you can imagine with all the trends in mobility and connectivity. There's a lot to do. From yeah. autonomous to electrical exactly. vehicles to 5G networks and mobile. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, it's quite an <laughs> exciting time. You yeah, were. <laughs> and if we want to develop a new material, that, that <laughs> takes time. And, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. we need to continuously monitor the portfolio yeah. and make sure we're investing in the right people and, and R&D programs. Yeah. yeah, because like you said, the, the projects at uh, Aerospace took 30 years. I yeah. imagine that... Uh, it takes a little bit longer <laughs> within the plastics engineering, so you can actually see the results. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, again, depending from mobility, automotive, it's for three, four or five years sometimes. But in mobility, it goes super fast. Yeah. And specifically, the new uh, the new mobile phone makers in China. Uh, yeah, recently visited uh, one of the leaders in, in, China, no, in Beijing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are working now on a phone that that so they start today and in six months from now you can buy it in a shop. So wow! Yeah, that's fast. And they say I want a new material because the new phone needs to do this and this and this. Yeah. And actually, we don't have a solution yet. We only know what we want it to do. <laughs> so and then you, you need to come develop in with a the new material. Uh... Yeah. So, but but actually, we feed on that. So I mm. think we have a very strong R and D team, for example, locally in Shanghai. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that also puts a time clock and pressure. On our entire organization and uh, yeah, I think also with our leadership we try to make sure that it's not us dictating mm -hmm. the pace but but yeah we need we need to be adaptive yeah. and sure, these customers are very clear nowadays. you either are on our timeline or you're yeah. not on our timeline yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's not optional yeah. it's not an option yet yeah. yeah and innovations go so fast nowadays and they have so many ideas yeah. so you have to move with that pace i guess yeah and we can of course we are restricted in, in time people energy yeah. money so yeah i think this is the yeah. The biggest part of my job is a connecting with people globally mm -hmm. and our customers, and secondly, making these choices and um, balancing a portfolio. Yeah. Because not everything you do is, of course, always a mega no. success. So no. you need to uh, create options. Yeah. yeah. So Stefano, um, how did you become a professor of brand management and marketing at RSM? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having us, and uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure to to be here together, also with Joost, uh, um, to talk about. Uh, how academia and business can uh, work together. I think it's something that we should do more. Um, funny thing, um, I also want to be an, an architect. And uh, this is a story that I, I actually mm. tell my students uh, at the beginning of my course when I try to explain why marketing is an interesting topic. And um, I wanted to become an architect, but um, I am very bad at hand drawing. I, I can hardly write my name. So I thought at that time, still technology was coming in uh, that uh, you could do this computer-aided design, yeah. but uh, I would advise probably not a good oh. idea. So I thought what to do, and I, I really don't know what to do. I ended up um, deciding that I needed to buy myself some time, and uh, so I wanted to, to study something that could be applied to a lot of different fields while I was thinking a little bit about what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I ended up studying statistics, 
And so I did five years uh, of that, so basically a five mark. And then um, last year I was thinking about uh, should do something more on the medicine side or more on the finance side or more on the national statistics. Mm-hmm. And then I took just one course on marketing and I thought it was so fascinating. I had decided I was going to be an academic. For me, that was a more natural fit. Yeah. And so I, I decided, okay, um, let's see what kind of PhD I can do. Where I ended up doing a PhD in marketing at London Business School, which is a very nice place. How yeah. did you get up from Italy to London and then to Yeah, Arsene? London, I wanted to, to study abroad, and uh, yeah. that was the best place. London is a good choice. Yeah. And um, here, I was mostly, it was a par- partly um, life, uh, personal life work balance because mm-hmm. I had a young family, and here we, we had a good, was a moderate teaching load, lots of resources for teaching, cost yeah. of living was reasonable, not too far from our families. Um, and so um, that was a good compromise option and a very good research environment. That was the main thing that drew me here. Yeah, exactly. It's a famous place for uh, research and marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great I don't place think people, to be. people don't, I don't think even Netherlands appreciate that. Uh, it's no, really, they should, they should. It's really yeah. quite famous. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> actually, uh, well, Netherlands in general is famous yeah. for research and marketing yeah. and business more generally. Exactly. So it's not yeah. only marketing. Yeah, yeah. We uh, sometimes need outsiders to point us to oh, the really? strengths. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. one of the top schools. If you look at research schools, especially in marketing level. For research and economics and management, I think it's easily top top 20. Absolutely. And it depends on the ranking. You know, they always be different. but different Everybody course, agrees that in, uh, it's in the top. Yeah, so yeah. that's why a lot of people from all over the world come here. Yeah. No, so uh, I've been here now for um, 13 and a half years. Wow. In fact, I was feeling a little bit stranger yeah. recently. I realized <laughs> that uh, Rotterdam is the place I live the longest in my You're life. You're more at wow. home here than probably somewhere else now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm at home everywhere, nowhere. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a bit strange. Feeling. So, um, how can we see your daily life as a professor here at RSM? We, uh, we are at a research intensive university, so research plays an important role. Mm-hmm. We, we spend um, about, uh, uh, if you're a senior academic, basically, you have to do service, so you have to take leadership roles in, in managing things internally in the university, okay. but also for the field. So, we, we are a community, a global community of academics. So that's about one third of the time yeah. service internally externally. One third is uh, teaching, one third research. I think. Okay, no, so that's the roughly, roughly, that's a nice division roughly, of thirty, thirty, thirty. Yeah, and then I don't keep track of the hours. So, no. <laughs> so you're spending too much hours. Anyway. It's probably more like uh, you know, fifty percent, fifty percent, fifty percent. So you, so you <laughs> like the you like the division? I do like it. I think the service part is maybe the thing that you feel is more duty than yeah. uh, than uh, fun. But some parts yeah. some parts are interesting too. Okay. And for example, I'm the academic director of a quite large master program in marketing, and as part of that, I need to think about what uh, young people need to know today to be successful in the job market, not just. No, six months yeah. from now when I graduate, but ten years from now, that gave me a lot of opportunities to read and think about exactly. how the world is changing. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, actually, Hara, you saw them both on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I saw in my LinkedIn because I follow uh, Stefano, and uh, I think you shared a picture of you both working in yeah. a workshop or something. And then I I contact Just and I say, what are you doing with Stefano? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I would like to understand better your cooperation, uh, how do you start working together, and what type of project you did at that time. So, um, do you want to start? Yeah, maybe I can, because I, yeah, we, you mentioned a few things about uh, the way you uh, work and um, what you do with, for example, the executive MBA program. So I was indeed doing uh, an executive MBA year at RSM, I did my aerospace degree in Delft, but then uh, after a few years of working, uh, did the exec- executive MBA. I think, by the way, uh, excellent way to balance hard analytical beta side that I did in university, then having a few years of 
practical experience in in, in uh, companies, and then getting some uh, background and then some grounding behind it on an academic level here in the uh, executive MBA. But one of the electives I did was indeed on uh, on branding and, and marketing together with Stefano. I think yeah, you can see already in this conversation, uh, Stefano has I think a very natural way of interacting and engaging. Uh, sometimes, at least I haven't always experienced with professors. So uh, I think there started a more uh, relational click and respect for somebody that is touching similar topics because in business I am working with sales and marketing and branding. I, I every day see the benefits of where it works and where it doesn't work. But I also have a really a deep need to sometimes ground that in a more academic way. And I think this is where indeed the, the balance and then adding to each other at least for me, was a first spark when I did the MBA. And then yeah, later, I think, Stefan, you reached out for a workshop and you were looking for practical cases. And uh, I love the idea. We did one. And from there, we grew. And uh, yeah, I think we're now both seeing the benefits of that. And, uh, yeah. Can you explain a bit of the project? So it's very <laughs> confidential. No, I can explain maybe. I think he, uh, I, like, <laughs> I let it to you because I don't know what, yeah. uh, what can be said. So, so uh, anyway, uh, we normally, when we do the cases, we tweak again a little bit based on confidentiality. And then it's normally new products that we're implementing. Uh, but yeah, one of the, I think, nice examples is, for example, Ecopack. So this is a bio-based plastic that we uh, developed, uh, not just bio-based, but also really high performance. And uh, there we were struggling as a concept because, uh, again, we think we've created a beautiful product but this is inside out and uh, we wanted to make sure with some people looking at it with fresh eyes, okay, if we talk about the, the solution, what kind of elements do you pick up on? And, and, and one of the feedback we got from that group is that we actually under-highlighted the, the, the science behind the product and then the performance because we were so focused on the sustainability uh, part, which is important, but, but actually I think the feedback of that group made the overall uh, marketing and branding much stronger and then we also as a result dared to put the performance much more in the forefront and yeah as a result we are seeing excellent sales and many interesting applications ranging again from automotive to electronics and uh, yeah, i'm sure that that single workshop spending half a day with stefano and his class uh, accelerated our, uh, our process yeah so also during these workshops normally yeah, we we i think stefano you let it go quite openly but sometimes there are these okay let, let's get back and see where we are going to guide it a little bit in yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. again academic context and make sure that the students learn and i think this is great yeah, so I, like, I think really it's something where everybody benefits yeah the, in terms yeah. of the structure what we've done so far and i think it works quite well is to start out obviously with an introduction about the case so um, the um, you know yoast and his team would come and uh, have a slide deck and just explain in the context a little bit the product and the market and then raise the challenge and say okay um, we've got these problems and we usually we split um, mm -hmm. people in groups let them work we have breakout rooms they can uh, sit there with a flip chart and start thinking and then basically um, uh, after about an hour or so maybe more we go around also give a little bit of um, feedback maybe they have questions about the products because not everything was in the slides or whatever and then they come up with some kind of a pitch. So we ask them to make a um, short presentation about 10 minutes or so, where they, using flip chart or slides, they can uh, illustrate um, basically a core idea. And then we have a discussion about each of these. So we would have then a feedback session where Joost and I would uh, provide a bit of feedback, maybe push them a little harder, maybe broaden the discussion, or maybe highlight a possible implementation uh, path. And, um, and that, I think, has a nice 
you know, benefit for everybody. Uh, I think it's um, engaging for the participants. You, you learn how this concept that we talked about in class actually can be used. And, uh, um, and I, what I especially like about working with yours is that first, um, even though much of economic activity is in the B2B sector, we tend to see marketing, so many examples more on the B2C side. For a couple of obvious reasons. The first one is that everybody sees B2C, so if I mention Nike, everybody knows what I'm talking about. And not only that, they know a lot about the, the campaigns, the logos, but more, even the products, the sponsorship, they know everything. If I mention a company like DSM, for most people who are not in the chemical industry, they might have heard the name if they're Dutch. Um, they might have heard something about the company because they might have seen, for example, a CEO speaking about sustainability in the media. But probably that's about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and that means that uh, there isn't this shared knowledge that you can rely on in class when you want to make examples and, mm -hmm. and, and explain mm -hmm. the concepts. So we tend to use B2C a lot. Also, I think, really, yeah, in terms sense. of marketing and branding, B2C is a lot, being, a lot of money being put earlier on than B2B. I think obviously yeah. a lot of B2B organizations nowadays invest heavily in marketing and branding, but that was not always the case. And so I think to have him come and talk about B2B marketing is insightful. And I think what I really like about DSM and just group in particular is that to me, successful business is it's basically about innovation and marketing. You need to have both. If you don't have um, good marketing, only R&D and innovation, you end up with solutions that might not be either useful or uh, um, not communicating in a way that can persuade. If you only have marketing, let's say the branding and the strategy and the uh, and the um, communication without mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the technical uh, um, you know background, without the innovation, then you risk just selling hot air. Yeah. So um, I think you need both. That I think the engine of uh, of growth in competitive markets is innovation and marketing together. And I think the fact that he comes with this like a super fancy <laughs> materials, you know, <laughs> that they have these amazing properties that uh, you know. Uh, almost sci-fi like I think it makes it exciting also to think about how what kind of users can you think for these products how would you communicate it to potential customers yeah I think there's a nice challenge that we often face indeed that we are indeed convinced of the nice science but indeed uh, it's only relevant once we get it implemented into end products that actually touch customers um, and talking about the passion you mentioned earlier what I really like is it's it's not just uh, the the half a day course that we do, but uh, I think with most of the groups we've seen, at least four or five of them, I keep contact, keep in contact oh, with. Really? So really, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't share know. this yeah, with Stefano. But <laughs> normally, there's a few people that that yeah. I stay in touch with, and the other way around. And, nice. and nice. the the nicest thing is, yeah, because I'm also mm -hmm. relatively active on LinkedIn. <laughs> sometimes I paste something on the result of a case that we did, and yeah. then people that were part of the initial workshop recognize it and say, hey, great, two, two years ago we talked about this. <laughs> Fantastic to see now this, this success. And I think this is really nice. So they really feel part of something that we amazing. really developed as a company out of a half a day workshop. So yeah, that's uh, very strong. So Professor, um, you focus on brand management, but your focus now is going more to analytics, I think from your statistics uh, background. Could we say that your research is an evolution with the industry needs and society foresight? We, we try to, to um, in our research, we try to have impact and then be societally relevant. And, and uh, of course, ultimately, the academic endeavor is uh, it's an intellectual endeavor. So we, we examine things that we find exciting for whatever reason the, the professor thinks that there is important knowledge to be gained by spending time thinking about an issue. In my particular case, I've been doing my first ten years of um, my research career were mostly focused on um, um, on how globalization um, is affecting um, 
marketing, consumer behavior. I'm a basically a consumer decision making researcher and applied psychologist. It's actually an interesting field. Um, basically, it's a conjunction of um, economics, especially behavioral economics, uh, psychology, and, uh, and even uh, decision science from the more wild type. And this leads to this field of uh, judgment and decision making, which I think is a very interesting one. And within that domain, I look at consumer decision. In the last five years, what I've tried to do is to, basically, I have a, a, um, I had a confluence of personal and professional interest where I started reading a lot about how technology, and especially artificial intelligence, were changing markets and society. I decided that there was a lot of interesting research questions mm -hmm. to look at from the point of view of consumer adoption of these technologies. And nobody was doing the work at the time. So we, um, me and a few colleagues, we started working on these things. And now my pipeline is full of projects related oh. to that. So basically I'm looking at AI, but not from the engineering point of view, mm -hmm. not so much about how to develop the algorithms, but more about how those algorithms impact the benefits of consumers perceiving products, how even they think about from a societal point of view, do they see challenges in AI? There are dystopian visions of uh, a future built around a kind of like a rogue AI, whether it is Terminator-like or whatever, and uh, those, those kind of, um, let's say, cultural uh, discourses do, do impact how consumers see technology, so I try to understand that too. So there are a bit of a mixed topics, but um, now at the moment, the, the most exciting topic I'm looking at, it's uh, what you can call technological unemployment, which is basically um, humans being replaced by machines in many occupations, oh. and also consumption tasks. So we have a couple of papers mm -hmm. from both the consumer side, the demand side, but also mm -hmm. the supply side, basically employment. So the question we ask is, does it feel different when you get replaced by a machine? So well, I guess so. Compared to being replaced <laughs> by another human. Yeah. That feel different. Yeah, and oh, I think it's, it's very curious, like you mentioned, the AI with uh, decision making, because we have one professor in our platform, uh, Kimberly Hauser from US. Uh, she created an algorithm on decision making how without any kind of bias. Yes. So, because usually all the algorithms are programmed and developed by men, and or white men and they have always a vision how the things how to be done or how the decisions are made and she was researching how we can make a neutral algorithm like they can make decisions like I mean I, I have to put you a, in contact both together because oh, could be uh, exactly could be interesting uh, these two approaches of ethics as well like you mentioned it's more about moral decisions and how to be neutral yes. from diversity perspective. No, I think and one of the things I mentioned why I love working with uh, classes and, and this unbiased view and people outside in views independent of region, gender, I think this is uh, the, the actually responsibility again as, as business managers that we need to do. And of course our consumers are all scattered all over the world, but, but I think what I discussed earlier my new job traveling around the world and listening to customers and people and spending a weekend walking around in a park in Tokyo, for example, and just observing people. Yeah, I, I think those are small elements to, to become more unbiased and then have an open opinion. But, uh, yeah, I think if technology yeah, can help actually. with that, it's even better. Yeah. So, just you are, I know you are multitasking. You are a serial entrepreneur as a hobby. <laughs> How do you manage your work at DSM and your multiple activities with uh, Salali, Salali Bar and Rice Club uh, as communities for high-profile uh, professionals. 
Yeah, thank you. You even forgot, I think, a very important element <laughs> of my one? life, uh, apart from sleep, is my family. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there actually it starts. I mean, uh, I do have indeed a lot of uh, interest and, and I think it is also linked to this creative spirit somewhere that just wants to spark, uh, take ideas and bring them into reality. Uh, but, but it starts with, again, my wife accepting that I spend time on this, but also I think balancing time and making choices. But uh, I think the most important thing is I get this question all the time, and uh, for me, it's it's. I, I I don't look at it the way people ask me the question because the the, the answer is I, I get energy from it. I think this concept of flow is very important. So uh, actually, when I was doing the executive MBA over here, I was also running an operations in Slovakia. So plant manager, I was doing weekends, being here in university, building a new family with my wife. We were about to get our first son, and I think this these two years have been the most productive. <laughs> energetic fun times of my life so and I always try to get back to that stage where I was uber busy but also yeah very productive I think one of the things I also learned here is once you start overloading your schedule it's very easy to make choices because there's no other way and I think some people are afraid to move to this edge of being overloaded and, and actually that feels very busy I think so my experience but once you pass very busy and go into uber busy uh, it becomes very easy i think to start making decisions and once you know i cannot do family work uh, hobbies passion etc all in one day then you really start to make good choices but again first it is making sure you have a lot of options and then selecting what you like and balancing energy and uh, so i i get energy out of it instead of that it costs me energy that that's the most important answer yeah and and i think it builds on each other again i i meet in my side gig projects people that i use actually in my daily work and that make our network within dsm stronger i, I, I reach out to a lot of people so i see harvard business review magazine here <laughs> when i read an interesting article i immediately on linkedin connect to the person that it's about or the business owner and uh, i'm always amazed how easy it is to to get in touch maybe through somebody but, but in nine out of ten cases, people actually respond and uh, you get to talk to leaders of great startups, uh, professors across the world. And yeah, I think this, this flywheel effect of being in flow, getting into new stuff and uh, yeah, creating, connecting is, is for me, I get energy out of it. So it's not so much costing energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for both of you, as a last question, how do you see the challenges and the benefits of working together academics and corporate? Yeah, I think some elements we probably touched. So uh, for me, the clear as a business, the clear benefits are again to, to we, we get fresh new academic insights. Uh, we are very busy with, with our business and making sure that, that we uh, get to our results or growth, talking to our customers, etc. And, and I think it is good to sometimes infuse that with some outside in uh, academic new insights and uh, specifically in areas as Stefano said with uh, artificial intelligence etc yeah, there are new things being developed I guess every day and, and for me these workshops and getting in touch with Stefano make sure that that yeah we don't miss any concepts or uh, theories or methods that, that could benefit us so, yeah. I think for, for our end the benefits are multiple and um, I think the uh, those are also we already mentioned that we provide uh, our students with a more uh, engaging, more memorable, more useful. We connect with the business world as part of our mission to have a positive impact in the world. And obviously, one way we can achieve that is to collaborate with business and help them out as much as we can. 
Uh, the challenge is that simply just a matter of coordination time. If you just you're very busy. I'm very busy, so just finding the calendar is uh, is uh, often, you know, quite complicated. But uh, um, if there is good will, uh, it can be done without, you know, a lot of drama. So actually, I think we should <laughs> we should do more of it. I think. Yeah, and I think you mentioned an important point because again, we I think we build a trust and respect out of it. The first time we met in class uh, when I was in in this in this class, but then once you have that trust, it's very easy. So when Stefano sent me a message, I know who he is. I respect what he does, and and so this speeds up tremendously. I think if you need to do that from scratch every time, yeah, then it cost time and I think everybody's very selective with where you engage. Mm -hmm. That's also a good point. I do like to, to have these relationships where I can build over time and uh, we grow to understand each other and, and uh, respect each other so it's becoming easier to also, and for example, if I want to organize a live case and, and, um, and I don't know anything about uh, the company, I would approach that case with a little bit of uh, apprehension say, are they going to do a good job? Is the process going to be interesting? Are they going to be managing the discussion in a way that is useful for the participants? And uh, I don't have those questions. Just I know, I know what he does, and uh, it's easy. So I, I do like to have as many of this kind of like uh, relationship in the corporate world as I can. Of course, we live in a kind of ivory tower, right? We, mm -hmm. On a daily basis, we don't need to interact with, uh, with business. We, we can be happily in our yeah. office, reading our papers, writing our papers, and, <laughs> and that can be the end of it. But uh, I don't think that's right. So as much as I can, I try to. And of course, it's a balance. There are a lot of stuff you need to do. True. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you both for uh, coming to Rotterdam to the Stefano office. I think we travel from around the Netherlands to come uh, here um, to record this podcast. Uh, very appreciated. Uh, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you for having yeah. us. Yeah. Thank it's you. Fun. It's been great. listening to the podcast. As usual, you can find a sum up of this podcast with pictures and interviews at noco.net. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Our account is noco platform. See you next month.